0: if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I wanna slow things way down for a totally different experience, When I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals, and when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Omic from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience so a softer quieter toy is incredibly appreciated i make sure to take deep breaths as i let the pleasure and sensation build breathing it throughout my body and when the time is just right i pick up the speed of the rotation and i ride a full body wave of ecstasy this is one of many acts of devotion i choose to regularly deliver to myself and it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high quality, beginner friendly, super cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Omic oh My C from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa. And you're listening to That Sex Chick. This is a Soulfire production. That was a clap that I'm fond of <laughs> that syncs us together.
1: I mean, I love to be synced together
0: with you, Alexa. Yes. Um, so, one more time this conversation is long overdue. We have floated around each other's spaces for a long time. We have been friends for a nice chunk of that time. And wow, have we lived life and have our brands and businesses and identities and personalities <laughs> and stories all unfolded over the last, goodness, I think we have probably known each other going on four years. Three or four, yeah. Three, four years, yeah, wild. Yeah, and we've so, been horizontal so, together. You've been in my house. I've been in your house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in in New Orleans. I mean, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty set up in Austin. So whenever you're ready to come gallivant back over in this direction and leave your Bali magical paradise. Oh, listen,
1: you know, my, my next life is going to be van life. And my plan is to start in Austin. Well, we are
0: here. <laughs> There's so many cool people. There's even, I mean, Since I'm here, I guess I will just say it. Like it's much cooler now that we are here, and we have such a cool squad and people just doing amazing, cool things. So definitely, I mean, and if you if you also want to just get in our bus (laughs) and take it, (laughs) flow. We still have her, and she's just chilling. She's made her her big gallivant to Burning Man, and now she hangs out behind our garage. So
1: wow,
0: I have. Senior squad on the Instagram, it does look pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a good thing going, and so definitely maybe hang out in Austin for a hot minute. You know, I'm I'm steadily, slowly but surely adding some heat and some spice to our activities. Yes, we we had certain levels of connection and things to do, and now you know I'm working on some workshops and growing our and expanding our horizons so you know a little rope here <laughs> yes. a little soft kind of play party there and you know we're getting we're we're getting ready to uh do a weekend of learning with the dominatrix so mm. we're we're steadily adding the heat so of course we would love a little intimacy games with a nun none other than lila we'd be all happy to go horizontal with you by the way mm, i have So much I'd like to
1: do in that regard. And yeah, my plan is to come and date cities, to come and spend two to three months in these cities that I've wanted to spend more time in, really dig in, record with a bunch of people, and then towards the end of that two, three months, host events, host a sleepover, host a horizontal storytelling, do a happening, host a femdom kink taster, you know, do a bunch of delicious, delectable.
0: I love that. A happening. Yes. Like Andy Warhol style happening?
1: Yes. Yes, basically. Or like um, improv anywhere kind of happening.
0: Cool. I love that. I mean, you know, I used to sell and study art back in the day. So when I hear happening, I'm like, ooh, you know. Anyway, so let's give the people a little bit more of your story because you and I can gab for hours and we have, and we probably will for a long ass time. <laughs> um, so you are. A very magical creature. Mm. I mean, one of the first times that I've known you, you know, I had known you up to that, up to this little story that I'm going to tell, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks, a couple months, but I watched you get tied at a Hacienda party. It was the first time that I'd ever watched someone get tied and suspended. Mm. And you were in this really adorable, cute little unicorn outfit with pasties and a like frilly butt thing. And, um, And I can't remember what the guy's name was that tied you. Oz. Oz. I was going to say Gus. That was not right. Oz. (laughs) And you were under a neon light and all of the ropes were different colors. And I, that was my favorite thing about the whole party was watching you get tied. I'd never watched someone go through that experience. All of the looks that you would present on your face. It was everything from like, this is delectable and I love this and it feels so good to like, fuck the shit, get me out of this. I don't like that. This is uncomfortable. And then like, (laughs) then you were hoisted in the air and I was like, she did it. (laughs) Heroin's journey complete. That
1: was only the second time I had ever been suspended in my life. The first time was our rehearsal and we rehearsed inside. And if, you know, you've performed If you if you know anything about theater, when you do a rehearsal, when you do a dress rehearsal, you want to do it in the exact same location with the exact costumes and props that you will have when you perform. But that is not what we did. We rehearsed inside on. Rigged in a static way and outside we were rigged on a ring which moves. And I did not expect that. And I was very inexperienced as well. So when you're inexperienced as a bunny, you don't necessarily know what is going to be bad. <laughs> you know, you're you're like, I don't know. That feels like kind of weird, but maybe it's going to be OK. And it's probably not going to be OK. And then, you know, so we had a lot of communication throughout. And I was like, oh, no, it's not. Uh, but we finally, you know, and, I, and also I was trying to help and it, it wasn't helping but it worked out and I was wearing that little iridescent unicorn horn and, and little, <laughs> little silvery outfit and the rainbow ropes were in the black light, as you said. And then Kenneth, who was learning to crack the whip, broke the balloons over my head and confetti rained down upon the unicorn caught in the rainbow ropes. And I think that was a, a peak moment. Right. The 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 crowd response of that, you know, surprise of the confetti. And breaking the confetti with a whip is a pretty badass
0: stage move. It really it was like if if all play parties, sex parties, if parties in general don't have this level of entertainment and it was like it was everything. It was everything. And it was so good and getting to watch you there and uh um hacienda is not necessarily the place that I want to start with our conversation. I would love a little backstory on how you even wound up getting into a sex positive community space and and what that looks like. Because I think I, I throw out sex positive community home and people are like, what are they? Is there just like orgies all the time? Orgies all the time, or is there just like erotic art on the walls? Or you know, mm. let's let's hear Lila's version. How how would one's life lead into living in a place like Hacienda? Or how did mine? (laughs) Your specific ways. Yeah, mine.
1: So I think it begins when I moved back. So I was traveling in 2010, 2011. I moved back to New York. And I was starting to get very curious. I'd always read everything I could get my hands on about sex, love, and relationships. And I, you know, devoured Dan Savage's column for years and years and years. I was just, absolutely fascinated and then i went on this tour where i went up and down the east coast and i went to spain france germany and holland and i found myself in conversations about those things with everybody everybody that i stayed with we wound up at some point horizontal having these kind of conversations and then i came back to new york and i was like i i don't really understand monogamy and I, I, I would like to, I, I'd like to know about these open relationships, and I would like to, I'd like to go to a sex party, but that seems scary. So maybe I can just go with somebody that I know, because like that seems really out there. And but I, I just want to go as an observer. I just want to go as an observer to observe the natives of the non-monogamous variety. <laughs> <laughs> you know and And it so happened that my dear friend, first of all, he gave me three books, actually this and this this really sent me down the rabbit hole of sex positive culture. So he gave me first mating captivity, Esther Perel's book, which is mainly about that that dual desire for safety and excitement in our romantic and sexual relationships and how we manage that paradox. Then he gave me. Oh, shit, it was arousal first. Arousal, The Secret Logic of Sexual Fantasies by Michael Bader. And that absolutely cracked my mind wide open to think of fantasies as the way that we make it safe for us to be aroused, the way that some of us deal with the fear of being too much, the way that others of us deal with the fear of being not enough. And the way that I and many others that I know deal with those dual fears of being too much and not enough—absolutely fascinating. Then he gave me meaning Captivity* and then *Sex at Dawn*. And so I read *Sex at Dawn* and I'm like, "What? Bonobos or bonobos? Not even sure how to pronounce it, <laughs> you know." And then also the the meso, I think, moswo moswo the the walking marriages where women had their rooms and a an engagement an encounter was considered closed after the evening and it could continue as long as the the woman invited and it could end that night and the the freedom of that and the the, the fact that there was a precedent in history for the sexually liberated woman the Sexually adventurous and liberated woman was incredible. And shortly thereafter, as I start thinking, I want to go to a sex party, and I was, I was working on an article that I called A Woman. Oh shit. What was the title? Damn it. It would be so much better if I had the title for you. Anyway, the subtitle was A Woman on the Verge of 30 questions monogamy. (laughs) And so he invited me to this play party. And I was doing Thai body work at the time. And he said, we can give body work for tips at this party. And I was like, that's okay. 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 Wait, wait a minute. So tell me, will I have to touch, like touch anybody that I don't want to? And he's like, no, I'm like, will I have to play with anybody? He's like, no, I'm like, okay, sold. And so, (laughs) so the vantage point of being, being contracted to work, Being being a a fixture of the party, having a space carved out for me where people wouldn't get too close to me, where I had a job to do, where I had a vantage point of most of the party and I could witness things. But from this quite protective bubble. And actually, there were gauze curtains around us creating a protective bubble. So if you stepped into the bubble, you were about to be worked on or you were finishing up, you know, and if you weren't, you were outside of the bubble. So I had this space carved out and I remember the first time I saw sex in front of me was really to the right of me. And I was giving time massage to this very handsome young blonde man. And I looked over and these were early adopters because a lot of people at play parties wait for the witching hour, you know, sometime after midnight. And these were like the 10 p.m. people, bless them. And they were just, they were just going at it and and really, you know, really fast and hard. And I looked over and I was like, huh, they're having sex there. And I'm like, yep, that's about what it looks like. Hmm.
0: And then, you know, I went, <laughs> I had a very similar experience at a sex club. I think it might've been in Georgia for the first time. and I wa- And I saw the sex around and I was like, I am surprised this isn't having more of an effect on me. Yeah. Just felt very normal. Very natural.
1: Yeah. I was like, I do that. That's what it looks like. Oh, that's what it looks like when you're in that position. I had a similar experience when I went to my first nude beach in Amsterdam and I saw women top lifts. I was like, yeah, that's what that's what we look like. That's that's how we come in. That's how we go out, you know. And then. I was invited to a really fancy one, a really posh one top floor one doesn't exist anymore, and it's in a penthouse, and it was you know all secret and hush hush and I wound up going actually with a bodywork client of mine, just as friends because he could get me in, and it was very kind of him to take me as a gift and I was. This was the first time that I'd been to one that felt really exclusive. And there were really a lot of very, very sexy people. There's a dress code. It wasn't a costume one, it was a dress code. It was like upscale with lingerie underneath. They were very specific about their guidelines. And they had a bunch of different rooms. One of them was the kink room, so that's where I found myself gravitating. So people are doing, you know, some people are doing medical play over here, some needle stuff. I don't, I can't do with the needle stuff. Somebody was doing some very intense acro yoga inspired massage on a massage table over here. And then over here, there was a really handsome Asian guy with a ponytail working on this beautiful young Jewish woman who was seated with her legs played open and he had What I later found out to be an enjoy pure wand inside her and a Hitachi magic wand on her clit. And she came in this operatic orgasm. And I don't remember if everybody actually did stop or if it just felt like that, but it felt like when she came, everybody stopped, all heads swiveled towards her and then erupted in thunderous applause for her incredible operatic orgasm. And I was just, "Ah, that looks great. A couple of days later, I had met this guy at a board game night and he was a real estate guy. I wasn't sure about this guy, but I became friends with him on Facebook. And then I saw this article, the Daily Mail article about Hacienda Villa. And it said that it was a poly house. And I was like, oh, intriguing hot tub. It has a hot tub. And and that, you know, had me read the whole article because the the thought of having such luxury living in Brooklyn as an artist, you know, and a yoga teacher was unimaginable to me. And there were a couple of affordable rooms. But at that time, I didn't need a place to live. I was living with my best friend, Margarita. We're living in Bushwick in a railroad apartment. And I was happy there. And then the next week she told me that she was moving out. And I was like, oh, huh. And then I ran into the real estate guy again at another event. And I said, oh, it sounds really incredible, but I'm not, I, I, I mean, I don't know what I am, but I don't, I don't think I'm poly. And so I, you know, I don't think I fit the bill. And he said, oh, you don't have to be polyamorous. That's just what the article said. You just need to be sex positive. You need to be, you know, accepting of people's lifestyles and And relationship choices and sex choices. And I was like, well, that's that's easy. (laughs) That's no problem. So he said, come see the place. I showed up. It looked just like a normal three story brownstone. It's in my neighborhood. So I'm comfortable with the neighborhood. And there's construction going on. And I walk in and walk up the stairs to the third floor. And he knocks on the door. The door swings open. And it's the Asian guy who had given the orgasms. And I was like, oh, my God, hello. And I shake his hand. and I said, I've seen your work. (laughs) So that was Kenneth. Kenneth Play. And we sat on the floor in one of the empty bedrooms. And he interviewed me. And I said, you know, I've I've wanted to live in community for a long time. And I visited some intentional communities on my road trip in 2008. Including one outside of Portland, Oregon. No, no, uh, Ashland. One outside of Ashland, Oregon. And I just thought that that was a thing that only existed for hippies in rural areas. I didn't think that that was a thing that happened in New York City. And as it turned out, it's a thing that happens a lot, and ha- and has been having a renaissance and a resurgence. So he talked to me about my my history and my upbringing, my background, and. I was lucky enough to have a sex positive mom before that word existed. You know, she said, you know, sex is not dirty. Sex is something that happens between people who love each other and it's a beautiful thing. And I hope you'll wait to have it. But then she told me when I was in high school, you know, but if you if you want to, then I'll I'll take you to the store. We'll get you condoms. We'll get you birth control. And then that permission, I felt like that permission precluded transgression because then I didn't need to transgress because I had permission. So it wasn't taboo and I could just wait until I really wanted to, which is what I did.
0: Hmm. <laughs> so sweet. And so then it, Kenneth, which I hear you say he had an enjoy and a Hitachi magic wand. And I go signature signature, Kenneth, signature Kenneth, which he's been on the show and he's, you know, shared with our community and our listeners what he's been geeking out on recently. And you know, the enjoy and the, whatever the vibrator is, they're still the same pretty much. (laughs) Um, And I remember the first time I saw Kenneth, he was walking around that same party that I mentioned where you were tied and he was asking people if they wanted an orgasm, and he had a wand in his hand, and he was just going around the party and asking people if they want. Basically, I mean that's what I put together. And then he would go behind them with the wand, and they would kind of melt into him, and he would give them an orgasm. And we were just standing around the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I can't remember if that's the one where we had the orgasmometer, where where each time
0: there was an orgasm, we put a little score up on the board and added maybe. One. Maybe this was the one where um, the Sibian was dressed up like a unicorn that was swinging yeah. and people were yeah. taking turns on the swinging Sibian. And for those of you who are not familiar with what a Sibian is, how would you describe it, Lila?
1: It's like a vibrating pommel horse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> day fucking it's like a day vib- like a vibrating saddle. Yeah. And I sacrificed a unicorn horn to that Sibian. You did that day. I did. Yeah, I did not get that one back. <laughs> <laughs> it was um it was a rainbows and unicorns themed party and it was the first party that we threw not as Hacienda but as the villains, which is what we called ourselves as housemates. It's one that we created for the community instead of one that the Hacienda people or the OG people as they called themselves threw for their longtime play party goer community.
0: Yeah. This was all us. Mm -hmm. And it was so good. It definitely set a precedent in my mind for, you know, as somebody who likes to host events and do retreats and create experience and curate, you know, environments and all that to see that, I was like, oh, okay, well, I just need to put my head down and do a little bit more research. (laughs) 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 Um, And so anyway, you wound up connecting with Kenneth. And then I mean, I know that there shortly thereafter, there comes a point in time where you say, I opt in to do this thing, this uh, living in this sex positive community or this environment, intentional community. Um, and I am curious, I mean, you, you touched on what sex positivity means and, and the embracing of how everybody's doing their, doing their thing with an emphasis on um, you can be your, your sexual self and I'm not judging, I'm embracing in a sense. Is there anything else that you would add to just generally to paint a picture for people who are about to hear us say the word sex positivity a lot, what it really means?
1: Yes. When I think of sex positivity, I think of it as a celebration of our sexual selves. And that includes all who, who we sex, when we sex them and the way that we choose to sex them. Consensually all consensual relational and sexual choices are celebrated and treated with regard and treated as valid. And also for me, there's a freedom in it to change your mind. So a freedom to have traditional or alternative relationship styles and to, for that to change throughout your life. And to me, that is crux of sex positivity that isn't often talked about because when people hear sex positivity if they're not very well versed they really think it's about being hypersexual and it isn't because to me sex positivity and to those that i know in this culture celebrates celibacy if that is your choice celebrates asexuality if that is your identification right it's important that it is widely inclusive because there is so much shame for so many things that are outside of the norm and even inside of the norm because there's reverse shaming as well somebody coming from a polyamorous lifestyle who then falls in love with one person wants to choose to be with that one single person and then gets shit for it from you know from from others in in the their quote unquote sex positive culture to me that is not sex positivity so it's it's framed in
0: acceptance and for you going into this place and making a commitment to live in this home I'm curious what initially came up for you. And then if you can maybe touch on some of the highlights and then really the direction that, that I would like for our conversation to go is to talk about how to make a great play party. Cause we've touched on some experiences and you've mentioned that the Hacienda throws these, you know, throws these events and that kind of thing. And I, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this and are like, I want to find either a community like this, wherever I am located or, um, events to go to or they might even be considering hosting or throwing something on their own and I want to make sure that out of maybe the conversations you've heard or or you've heard stories that other people have said about events that they've gone to or play parties that they've gone to and you're like oh no so like yeah. I want to be able to use this episode as a reference all the time and and like uh, somebody says I'm curious about an event and I go listen to this podcast <laughs> yes
1: yeah I intend for all of our listeners to leave well resourced in that regard i'll pick up with that interview of you know kenneth and i sitting on the floor and him talking about his vision for the community he did tell me that there would be large scale large scale sex parties happening there four times a year i was like okay i can handle that four times a year i was worried that it would be a party house i would was worried that it would be i was also worried that it would be like the real world sex house. And that concerned me to a great degree, right? Because I I come from anxious stock and I need a home life that feels safe. And when he told me that there was a guideline against housemates having sex with each other, basically all of my worry evaporated and I was certain that this was my new home. I was certain that, and, and and I made that decision that day. There was actually somebody in the room that I wound up living in for five years, and he could afford a bigger room, and he gave up that room. Kenneth told him to give up that room so that I could move into the room that you saw that I lived in on the third floor for five years. My worry was mainly around internal. Sexual dynamics and then dramatic breakups, and then people's energy, because a couple's energy is not just two people, right? We, I'm sure you talk about this all the time, right? It is the you, it is the other, and it is the relationship. And that relationship in a community, in my experience, is so loud, it takes up so much space. That it is sometimes offensive, right it's so much them, and it permeates, and we don't have a lot of space, right Space is at a premium in New York City, and especially in a place like this i had I lived on a a floor with six bedrooms and three bathrooms and one small living room space that also had a kitchen in it, right six bedrooms so The thought of living in tight quarters like that with people who may or may not be fucking each other and then may or may not stop fucking each other and then will probably have problems with that (laughs) sounded awful to me. So when that fear was taken away and, you know, let's be real, it's not that it didn't happen. It's that because you knew there was a guideline, you made every effort not to bother people with that relational dynamic because it was against the rules right so do you
0: think i ever did it by the look of your face i mean most I <laughs> people are listening to this but the, the, the squinchy nose in your face on your face i <laughs> makes know me... i was like i was like
1: i was like relax your face Lila. she's gonna know no um <laughs> so i did break that rule during the first probably year and a half, somewhere, somewhere around a year and a half into that, that those five years. And I don't think anybody knew, maybe, maybe Kenneth knew, but it caused no ripples, no energetic ripples for anybody else. And that was the point of that rule. And if you had a fight with your partner, then they could leave. And leave our home unmolested <laughs> and undisturbed you know, so that we could, so that we could also heal each other, right? So that we could be the cocoon for each other and have that home first, stable life and environment, which is not to say that we didn't have problems internally. We did, but they would be amplified exponentially if people were in romantic and sexual relationships with each other. Now, later on in years, because of extenuating circumstances, like there was a a cop, there's a woman living in the house who had a partner and they were in a throuple and the, the third partner died. And after that, they asked if her partner could move in and we made an exception. And then there was another extenuating circumstance and we made an exception. And then there was the pandemic and we made an exception. Right. So it's not that it never happened, but it was towards the end. And I don't know if it was a factor, but, you know, (laughs) there's been a lot of implosion there. And I think that has something, something to do, not everything, but something to do with it. (sighs) So. The parties that they had, the parties that Hacienda actually grew out of were began at Andrew's original house and they were thrown by burners and Burning Man. People love to dress up. Burning Man. People are in that culture of I I pay and I contribute. Both. And we all contribute. And because we are all contributing, we make something incredible. And nobody's profiting. Nobody's making money off of this. So all of our contributions, we feel safe to give all those contributions. So if somebody, for instance, was a professional costume designer or experience designer or set designer, they would give freely of their talents in the same way that they would if they were hired and paid handsomely to do so. Because nobody was profiting and it was all love and it was all co-creation each one had a theme each one people people prepared their costumes dressed to the nines most of them had installations actual large-scale installations for the rainbow and rainbows and unicorns party i made a candy mandala i was there
0: i the night before i helped you separate runs. You did. It took so long. <laughs> but that was the kind of
1: thing that people would do for these parties and the way that they felt dedicated to the, the pleasure and joy of this community. So they were doing that for, I believe, I believe it was seven years by the time he decided to found Hacienda Villa and by the time Kenneth came on board as the as the co-founder. So they had this culture in place of these parties and they were doing big ones. So they had developed a lot of customs and culture around it. I'm wondering where I should start here. With the big ones or with how to prepare or with my personal experiences at my
0: first parties or how should I start? I think it would be really amazing to talk about what you might see at one of these parties. And then maybe blend a little bit of your story and, and some of the things that you came up against. Cause you, you really in, in the, in the story with the enjoy wands and the needles and all of that. Like someone could be listening to this and has never been to a party like maybe the closest that they've gotten is some 50 shades either the books or the movies or maybe eyes wide shut or some something like that and they're just like oh my god it's just a bunch of kinky dark fuckery happening all over the place Mm -hmm. which (laughs) has not been my experience fully my experience so i think a little bit of like what could this include okay
1: so the one that came to mind is the second party that we threw as the villains, which we called Game of Moans. And it was just before the season finale, the series finale of Game of Thrones. So Game of Moans, everybody dressed in the style of or as a character from Game of Thrones. When you arrived, there was somebody greeting you at the door, checking you in and giving you a very quick lay of the land telling you what was happening in the event space downstairs what was happening in the backyard what was happening on the first second and third floors and what was a little bit about what was available to you just a a basic lay of the land and what we would usually do is give each floor some kind of theme (laughs) i'm thinking and now i'm thinking of all these other parties right so so the church party is the best example for the the theme. Obviously the basement was hell. So it had, you know, the the St. Andrew's cross that you could tie somebody to and flog them. It had the quote-unquote torture devices. It had it had that kind of red light feel. And then the first floor was church. So there was stained glass projections and people dressed in Papal outfits and and <laughs> things like that. The second floor was, I think it was, it was something like purgatory because there was a tribunal and they would they would sort of like arrest you and bring you to the the second floor to be tried and there was a you know a judge and jury and executioner and and they they sentenced you to flogging or whatever <laughs> and then the third floor because there was always in our parties a space that was not for sex a space that you could go to to just relax you could it was usually a cuddle space there were soft things there were blankets there were pillows you could hang out there was often massage happening there and so in the case of the church party naturally that was heaven and it had angels and i, w- I was wearing white wings and And it is such an important thing that a party and they don't all have this. It's such an important thing that a sex party has a place where people can go if they just want to not be confronted by sex. Even if it's for a few moments, they just want a breather or maybe they want to spend the whole night there. Usually at a if a play party is worth its salt, you'll go. And if you haven't been there before or sometimes even if you have, there will be an orientation. If it doesn't have an orientation, I would be worried. I was just
0: going to say, run. Run. <laughs> Go visit your grandmother or your nieces You're or nephews grand. or something. Do that instead. Oh my God. I love how you went to grandma straight from the sex party.
1: <laughs> May she rest in peace. So, <laughs> adult Jeezy. So, and at the orientation, they will give you. Spatial orientation tell you where things are happening and when they are happening. What's allowed and what's out of bounds. They'll tell you where there are supplies. They'll tell you how to how to comport yourself. They'll share etiquette guidelines with you. Share things about consent. And I do have. And I just recently gave an orientation for a play party here, and so I do have my notes in case. You wanted
0: me to uh share a bit about how I run a play party orientation one thousand percent if I could have everyone opt in before they go to host a party, if I could have them just listen to Lila's grand orientation for whether you haven't been in a while or you were here last week or you've never been before in your life, listen up, sweet tits. This is how this goes down. <laughs> this is how we yes. ensure everyone feels really good or feels appropriately bad depending on their f- the flavor they're here for <laughs> yum <laughs> and this is how they can ask for it and this is what to pay attention for and this is how to be a good fucking human who's feeling a lot of emotions and sensations in their body and an environment that is very unique and potentially novel like there's a lot going on at a sex party and there are so many ways that you can fuck it up but i promise you what, li- what is about to come out of lila's mouth is how you don't fuck it up So, how
1: I would love to orient you is also beginning with the pre party planning. And before you decide to go to a play party, whether you're going with yourself or with a partner or with friends, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to do this forbidding exercise, is what I'm going to call it, because it's F B I D. Fears, boundaries, Intentions, desires. And I think it's just fun to call it forbidding because it, you know, gets all the letters in and then it's a, a fun way to talk about it, fun acronym. I've done this with a partner and I'll sit down and say, I'm afraid that uh, you're going to want to hit on other women. And whatever is, you know, whatever comes up. For me around that that's an example and then they will hear and take in and do some reflective listening right i heard i heard you say that you're feeling a little bit insecure when i do reflective listening i like to hear the interpretation from the other person because i want to know if what i said landed in the way that i meant it and if they shared their interpretation of it then i can say oh actually that's not quite it I'm no, I'm actually not feeling insecure. I actually just really don't want to see you touching somebody else tonight or something, you know? And then you can go back and forth on each piece or one person can say their whole thing and the other person can say their whole thing. I like to go back and forth. So then the other person shares their fears. So then we talk about boundaries. And in keeping with that with that fear that I shared, I'm going to say, "Well, my boundary is just playing with you tonight i just want to that's it i'm not gonna i don't want anybody else to touch me i don't i don't want to be in any puppy piles i don't want to be in any orgies <laughs> i just want to play with you tonight and then they'll share their boundaries for instance somebody who is interested in anal play usually might not want to be doing anal play in front of other people or might not want to be doing it that night. Right. So sharing those, those hard lines. And then intentions is what, what do we want to, what do I specifically, what do I want to cultivate that evening? How do I want to feel? How do I want to approach it? What do I, What environment do I want to cultivate for myself and for us? So what I've often said in in this is I really want to have an experience with you in this sexy environment. I really want us to cultivate our pleasure being able to look at and hear other people. People's intentions can be all kinds of things, right? The intention, if you're going solo, the the intention can be to practice saying no. I'm just going to say no to everybody all night so that I learn how to say no in this environment. Or the intention can be to flirt with as many people as I want to without feeling any shame or guilt about it. Right? And then the other person shares their intention. And then you get to the fun stuff. Then you get to the desires. And so the desires may or may not happen. But if you don't don't speak them, they are much less likely to happen. You magnify the possibility of them happening by speaking them aloud, by casting the spell of your desire over yourself and your partner or whoever you're doing this exercise with. So my desire might be. For you to go down on me while a crowd of people watches and I'm sitting
0: in a throne. <laughs> That's always at the top of the desire list. There's always and there's always a throne. So everyone who's going to make a party for the first time. Make sure there's a throne. Make sure there's a throne. <laughs> it's just a good idea because there are so
1: many people who would absolutely relish the opportunity to be worshipped, but are terrified to ask for it. And if you sit in a throne, you're just, you're just again, magnifying the potential that you might be worshipped. <laughs> so fears, boundaries, intentions, and desires, you're forbidding. And I like to do that either the morning of when the party is in the evening or the day before, have I always done that? No. Did Have I done it at the beginning of a party and then has it run over into the party time because we were arguing and then has it ruined my whole party because we were upset with each other? Yes, indeed. Indeed, it has. And so I highly, highly recommend that you do it beforehand, several hours, but not not Too far beforehand because it can change as you get closer to the event. So I think the night before or the morning of is usually a really good rule of thumb for doing that. And then once you've done that, once you've made some agreements around your intentions and your desires and your boundaries, don't change them during the party. There will always be another party. And I think a lot of times people are just so thirsty because they've not experienced it before. And it feels like there's just never going to be another opportunity. There will be, there will be another opportunity. But if you in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the turn on, when you're on your own special cocktail of drugs, your internal drugs of turn on and arousal, you're going to make decisions differently. If you're not keeping to the guidelines that you set from before. If you find them to be too constricting, then next time you can change them. But this time, really stick to the ones that you made. It can cause so much grief and pain in your relationship and your relationship to yourself if you're going solo, if you violate your own boundaries or then your partner violates your boundaries because they were so turned on and in the heat of the moment, they got swept away. That's your prep. That's your pre-party,
0: pre-party prep prep, pre-party prep, which is probably, I mean, from where I stand, some of the most significant work that you can do in this whole process. You know, Jordan and I, this is for a play party, but Jordan and I do something very similar before almost any experience so that we know what are we, what are we wanting to get out of this? Where do we stand? Is there anything left unsaid before we even walk through the door? And it helps prime us to get what we actually want out of an experience. And it also helps to uh, curb expectations. And because sometimes we'll have a, we'll have some communication and then we'll go into whether it's some kind of sexy thing or a not so sexy thing. And we didn't realize that we were expecting it to be one way. But then after communicating, we kind of curb that expectation. We go in and we're much likely, much more likely to really enjoy the experience because that was stated ahead of time.
1: For what it is rather than yeah. what we imagined that it might be. Absolutely. How, how
0: do you do it? What is your structure? Before we go into almost anything, a lot of times it's what's most present for you right now, like what's on your heart and your mind right now that could have nothing to do with what we're about to go do or everything to do with what we're about to go do. So what is most present for you? Um, we oftentimes will, what's the sensations that are happening in your body? What are you feeling? Yeah. And sensation wise, and a lot of times we'll start there. What are the sensations you're feeling? Okay. There's a tightness in my chest. I feel pressure around my shoulders. I feel tightness um, or like stickiness in my throat. I feel a little upset stomach, you know, something like that. I feel, you know, depending on what, where, where I'm at in my cycle, I might feel like heaviness in my womb space or something like that. And so tingling, not, not great feeling in the head, something. Um, And then what's most present? Well, I'm feeling very distracted. I'm feeling... Um, like, a, like this thing that happened a few days ago is kind of latched on. Like, I feel like it's tethered into me and I, I really want to let that go. And so then I might, we might then lead to intentions. Well, we will, we always go to like intentions. My intention is to let this thing that has been tethered to me for days is to know that I can return back to it when this is done. It has no place in what we're about to go do. So I'm letting that go for now. If it's something that I you know, like it's like some things it's hard to go, okay, well, I'm just going to let that thing go, but that thing's going to be there after. So acknowledging the fact that that thing will be there and I can return to that after. And so I deserve, and I can give to myself and give to myself this moment, a freedom of peace, of happiness, of pleasure, while still acknowledging the fact that this other thing is going on in my life or in our lives. So my intention is to press pause. Hard pause on that for now. And my intention is to be in my body, is to take some deep breaths, to be open, to explore, to be curious. My intention is to, you know, and then I might also interweave some boundaries, is to really honor myself in this process. My, you know, because sometimes my intention will be to connect with as many people as I can. And sometimes my intention is to just be with myself, is to like really honor myself in those moments and not people please on any level. What will that feel like if I don't say yes to everything that is presented to me? And then desires a lot of times have to do with Jordan. If it's Jordan and I going into an experience, but I do this with my girlfriends too. Mm, When we go places and we do, and we like, what is your intention for this experience? Um, And then at the end, of course, the desires are very much present and a lot of times interwoven in the intention. So my desire is when we leave this, I want to fuck you so hard. Like I just want to tease and play and feel so connected to you. And I want to flirt with you from across the room. And I want to watch somebody like walk up to you and like want to get in on your goodness because you're so hot. And I just, I want to feel myself and I want to feel so free. And those are my desires. And then we always go and so it may may it be so. And so it is, or this or something better or something like that. And it's like the seal of the deal. And then we usually, sometimes it's like while we're getting ready, sometimes it's while we're in the car. It's usually decently, like you said, the morning of, or maybe right before the thing. And then we go. And then once we're home from whatever the thing was, how do we do? And more often than not, when we put that much intention before we go into something, we're going to get something very close to what our stated intention was. And when we go into distracted, not connected, not connected to self, not connected to each other, then a lot of times that's what we get a lot of disconnected. And, and, and maybe we might even speak and things don't land for the people that we're communicating with at this event or this thing that we're at in quite the right way. Or maybe we're misinterpreted or, or like, I'd rather I'm, I'm more often than not the gloomy cloud in the corner. And Jordan is the bright ray of sunshine in the middle of the dance floor. (laughs) i feel extra gloomy. (laughs) And I'm like, no one talked to me, but all I needed to do was really get some of that clunkiness, like through my system and shake some of it off before um going in and that could have been like a totally different experience so
1: i love that you download afterwards that is something that i haven't done but of course it makes sense just like i would have an opening and a closing circle for any you know experience that i'm curating or you know some kind of opening and closing experience of course you would bookend it but i've never done it definitely you would want to download i love that Yeah. We usually,
0: if we're at a thing and then we wind up coming back home, it's like massage our feet time or massage our hands. So like we'll, he'll, Jordan will go, he'll just look at me and say feet and we'll lay on the couch and he'll put his feet in my direction. I'll put my feet in his direction. And while we are, you know, giving touch to the other person and connecting in that way, what were the highlights? And sometimes we'll use the prompt Rosebud Thorn. What was the rose of the experience? What was the kind of thorny sticky thing. And then what was the bud just to kind of keep it easy for us. Yeah. Um, and then allows for us to get, again, then sync up. How would we do this differently? Maybe even next time. And then sometimes we're like, I do it exactly the same. <laughs> right. Highlights and low lights <laughs> for sure. And I'll just throw it out. Like it sounds like for maybe a lot of people, wow, that's a lot of structure and that can take so much time. And when Dora and I first got together, almost everything took forever to mm-hmm. process. Processing took a long time circling, getting understanding, you know, how he operates and how I operate and the traumas and the different things that could light our nervous systems up and how do we want to navigate communication and all that. And we have done, you know, we've got so much work still to go. But over the last three years, we've gotten really good at communicating in a way where we can say the least and have the most impact and be the most effective. But it took a lot of work. So if you're going to these experiences or, in, or, or into new environments with someone that you've never done this kind of thing with, just understand that it might take a little extra. And there might be some mismatched expectations or there might be a little fumbling around and that's to be expected. And if you can have grace ahead of time that that's to be expected and maybe even it doesn't and then you go, wow, that exceeded expectations. Um, Cause I, you know, I, I like to fool myself and go, oh, well, I'll just communicate it all out and then I will release all expectations. No, fuck that. I'm a human and I am certainly expecting this to happen in a certain way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I can just be really honest with myself And have grace up front. So, and that's usually when I'm interacting with people who I don't know super well. So for those of you, you know, going in as a solo, going in with someone that you're relatively new with, state all those things. So definitely in the fear section, I fear I'm going to say a thing and you're going to do the total opposite because I don't really know you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really helpful positive, nourishing, emotional prep. And then you may also want to do a a little bit of solo mental prep. And that is, if I get triggered, how am I going to take care of myself? What am I going to do? What's my, I always think of things, you know, I always think of the escape route. You know, when I go someplace, I'm like, or how am I going to leave if I, if I want to leave? And that calms me down (laughs) because I have that tendency towards anxiety, right? So I want to know that if it's not for me, if I'm not feeling good, if I get triggered in a way that I feel unable to come back from, I want an escape plan. Same
0: eject button. Eject. Yes. So mission yeah. abort. <laughs> abort mission. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. I need to have that conversation with Jordan, too, because he's just kind of like, well, but the music's still good. I'm like, I'm going to the car. <laughs> right.
1: And then you want to do your physical prep. And your physical prep has to do with your body as well, right? So if you, feel, if you don't feel sexy unless you've shaved, for instance, now I've gotten laser, so that's, that helps a lot. But uh, if you don't feel sexy unless you've shaved, then you're going to want to be clean shaven. And I like to lay out my outfit the night before and look at it. <laughs> and, and you will probably want to have a sexy go bag, You probably want to have your or or a sex first aid kit. You know, however you want to think of it. You want to you want to have your things. I personally can't do latex condoms. So if I go to a play party, I need to bring my own condoms. I'm not going to expect anybody else is going to have polyisoprene. (laughs) So I bring my skin condoms and I bring my preferred lube because there will probably be supplies on hand, but they may not be the ones that agree with your body. And I will probably bring my Sensation Play toys because Sensation Play is my favorite kink. And so I'll probably have my little my little kit set up that in- might include, you know, an extra pair of panties in case yours gets ruined slash soaked or, you know, I'm torn, you know, lost. <laughs> if you do wear panties, indeed, or underwear. And if you don't, well, then probably a different story. but. <laughs> But having your, your, your kit, knowing what, what makes you feel, and it's all about comfort. What makes me feel comfortable to engage in sex? What makes me feel safe to be sexy? So that physical prep for your body, but also your tools. So that you, you feel like you've got the, uh, the superpowers in hand. You know, You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Da-da-da! <laughs> and then, so say you come to to my play party orientation. And at this last one, probably probably a good 60% of the people had been to play parties before. The thing is with those kind of folks is they think they know it all. They think they've seen it all and they know it all. And I was just like, "Hey, if you've heard and seen it all, be a team player, come on over and indulge me." Cause the thing is, I'm certain that they're going to hear something that they either haven't heard before or haven't heard in that way before or need to be reminded of, Yeah. but they won't necessarily admit that. And they wouldn't necessarily come on their own. Right. So I really like it when everybody has to go to the orientation.
0: Same. I, I think that it, it syncs everybody up. You know, it's a way that, that the, the frequency or the energy, whatever you want to want to call it, but everyone is is clued in on the same thing. And so it's like a a syncing up. Okay. So some people are, some of their nerves are getting curbed and, and it's almost like if you are a know-it-all and the newbie sees you paying attention to the orientation, you are automatically safer Yes, because you're hearing the same thing. So I love orientation for all as well. Yes.
1: And also just in terms of group dynamics, as you know, you've led so many things We need to gather at the outset together, all together, Mm -hmm. not this pocket over here, not these cool kids in the corner smoking the cigarettes who
0: are not joining everybody. Right. Everybody together. Right. Well, I mean, this is different than going to a sex club. I'm not going to rally the troops inside of, you know, the sex club. You know, there's there's the same owner is here in Austin as the one in New Orleans and I'm not going to go everybody from the rooms. Everybody come in, come in, let's sync up. <laughs> let's talk about our intentions. Let's hear the rules I'm, and the regs. You know, you go into a sex club and it's kind of a free for all. There's some rules. It would be better if a lot they of money did to get in and it's probably you may or may not get what you want out of it. But this, what we're talking about is a very intentionally specifically curated experience. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, you know, I wish they did. I wish it weren't laughable. I wish they they would gather everybody from all the rooms and be like, hey, you need to arrive by this time because we're all going to talk about this. (laughs) I wish they did, but they don't. So I would I would greet you and say, you know, I'm Lila. I used to live in a sex positive, intentional community for five years, and I've been to play parties of all shapes and sizes there and in other places. I've led orientations. I've taken play party etiquette workshops and I've attended many parties, and I've had sex at only a few. And I want you to know that you are not obligated to play. You are not obligated to play in any particular way with any particular person at all at any sex party you go to ever. Because a lot of people who are going to a party for the first time, just like me, are afraid that they will feel pressured to play that they have to or that they if they're not really participating if they don't that's not true and i want them to know that at the outset and when i brought a sweetheart of mine to his first play party when we did our fears boundaries intentions desires i also told him we don't have to do anything we can stay for 5 minutes and then leave we can come upstairs and fuck up here we can come upstairs and cuddle or fall asleep and watch a movie. We can just socialize at the party. We can just cuddle at the party. We can get naked and go in the hot tub. We can fuck. We can do anything we want, anything we feel, and I don't have any qualms about us pulling the parachute and and us leaving. That would be completely fine with me. And that relieved the pressure so much. That we were actually able, a couple of hours into it, to make beautiful love in front of about 10 people and be so focused on each other and both come. And that is not so usual.
0: Right. I think even no qualms with pulling a parachute and no attachment to any one particular thing happening, particular outcome. I think sometimes people go into it and they'll go, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. But internally, if they're really honest with themselves, they're really hoping that this one particular thing at least happens, or they're like really fixated on one thing happening um, or the person that they're going with delivering in some way or yeah and I, I love that reminder, too, as I'm starting to slowly but surely prepare some experiences here in Austin, that's definitely been something that that's come up for me is i'm I'm talking with a lot of people that I'm very close to, and I've been over the course of the last two years slowly opening these kinds of conversations up. I mean, it probably feels a bit faster to them than it does to me, <laughs> you know <laughs> opening up certain conversations and I really want, you know, them to know that nothing, we can just all get sexy and create a sexy vibe and have a party where no one, there's no intercourse of any sort. There's no penetration of any kind. There's no sex, whatever you want to call sex, whatever it means to you, that really plays out and it would still be a success the party would still be a beautiful celebration of our sexuality and our differences and pleasure and all of that. And that's what we're showing up for. And it doesn't mean that everybody gets stripped down naked and starts having at it and, and, you know, in a room all together. though, it could. Could. But that's not what my goal is. My goal is the celebration, which brings it back around to what sex positivity is, is to yeah. celebrate you in all of your beautiful glory including your sexuality, especially because of your sexuality and your preferences and your curiosities and the things that you're questioning and the things that you are like an absolute no to all of it celebration across the board. And it's so fucking juicy. It really is. You know, with the pandemic, it provided so many challenges that yielded lots of creativity I would say. And the closest that I've gotten to having our community here participate in a play party was when uh, Beth and Andrew invited me to lead a little something on one of the virtual play parties. And this was right at more or less the, not the onset of the whole COVID experience, but somewhere in the first third of it. And our crew was celebrating. I think we were all together that particular weekend for the baby moon of one of our friends who was about six months pregnant and we all showed up together. Well, we all were, we had our little pod of sorts of people that we were seeing at that time. We were relatively exclusive to each other, Um, which feels very official. We were exclusive to each other at that time. And we showed up on the zoom and I got to lead a, a like scavenger hunt for sense, sense, uh, sensation play toys. And then to come back onto the screen and to um, have one person close their eyes or be blindfolded and do the thing. And we did that in the house together of run around and go find sensation, play things and do that in each other's presence. And it was so hot to look around and watch my friends connecting, looking into each other's eyes, you know, and, and just like the way that they were touching each other and like, fuck this for a lot of you, this is the furthest you've ever gone in a room with other people and there's something about the energy that just starts building and the love. And I feel so honored at times to see people that I really care about, you know, in my everyday day-to-day life, especially in their units and their partnerships. And not everybody had their, had a partner there, but just the way that they were showing up, it was just, I don't get to see you like this, you know? And so I'm excited to keep pushing the, I'm the edge pusher. Like, how's everybody doing? you already ready to take one more little tiny step in that direction. Okay. We're up against, <laughs> yes. we're up against a trash fence <laughs> want want to go one more one more toe okay great yeah and i love this conversation as a reminder for what i can bring in and i mean who knows maybe you'll be in austin at the time when i actually get something together here and you can just do the orientation for me
1: Uh, i'd love to (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned the the unspoken desires and i just wanted to pull on that thread a little bit because you can choke on unspoken desires. And the, the way that people have their claws into an unspoken desire is actually less likely to, to bring pleasure. And actually, when you speak the desire, even though it seems like now you're going after it, your claws actually loosen. Your fingernails come out of it by an inch, you know, (laughs) by expressing it. And then, of course, as we said before, you're much more likely to potentially receive it. So I love the opportunity. And this is what we did next. I like hearing everybody's name. We did pronouns as well because I want to be inclusive and I want people who want their pronouns to be spoken to have everybody share their pronouns so that we come to do this as a matter of course. My name is Lila, pronouns are she, her. And then I encourage them to share either a desire for the evening, which everybody did, or a minor secret. That's one of my favorite prompts. Share a minor secret. So we went around and it was 40 something people. Every single person shared a desire. And a lot of people were new and they were like, My desire is to see and go with the flow, you know, and that was fine. And then there were people who had very specific desires, and a lot of women shared the desire to witness other women in their pleasure. Now, they wouldn't have been able to find each other necessarily unless it were spoken aloud into the circle and everybody heard it. And then you know what happened later? As I walked through through the space, I heard people looking to fulfill other people's desires because they had heard it and they're like, I can, uh,
0: well, I can, I can provide that. Right. Oh yeah. And if I, I don't have the desire, but there's a match, you know, let's say I'm I'm looking and you said, I want to see another uh, woman in her pleasure. And then I see somebody who's doing the thing, but I know you're upstairs Hey, Lila, I can go just walk up and be like, hey, by the way, remember that thing that you said at the beginning It's happening downstairs? <laughs> so if you want to fulfill that and you want to tick that, you know, put a little check mark next to that, I want to go downstairs. Yes. Then you can desire
1: matchmake. Yeah. Right. I expressed the desire to tie a woman because I had been learning to rig on a man who didn't really like being tied up and he was just doing it so that I could learn. And that was honestly not very pleasurable for me. so I wanted to tie someone who wanted to be tied and I wanted to specifically tie a woman because it's fun to dominate women. (laughs) And then later on, later on, a friend came and she said, so how do you feel about brats? And I said, I find them very tiring. So she has the desire to be tied. She would have liked to have been tied by me, but she has a very bratty submissive personality. I don't like that. It, it a, as a dominant in my in my, you know, 10% dominant life, 90% submissive 10% dominant life. I just want you to obey me. So, I want to say sit down. I don't want to raise my voice. I don't want to have to elevate my energy. I just want you to fucking do it. So that's the kind of dominant that I am. And so then we could we could learn, oh, okay, maybe that's not a match or maybe we can try it if you are willing to tone down your brattiness a little bit, you know, and then maybe you can still enjoy it. Right. Maybe I up my authority. (laughs) So beautiful, you know, magic, absolute magic happens just because we went around and shared those desires. Then I talk about consent, and I presented the Fry's model of consent, which is another acronym. F, freely given. Consent must be freely given. R, must be reversible. I, it must be informed. E, it must be enthusiastic. And S, it must be specific. Very briefly, freely given means there's no coercion or manipulation of any kind there's no power dynamic in terms of some sort of job thing where somebody has you know the power to take away somebody's livelihood or like there's there's none of that so you can so you can freely give it you also cannot be impaired deeply and it's debatable at which point someone is impaired deeply because consenting adults i think should be able to be using alcohol, should be able to be using some substances and still be able to give consent freely. But that line is who knows, right? Who knows where that line is drawn? Only the person who is giving the consent, really. So there's always these uh, tricky, tricky areas and, and gray spots and, and challenges, but freely given reversible you got to be able to change your mind otherwise it's not consent like if i and i let me tell you how many times and i had people raise their hands as well have you ever given a blowjob to completion when you didn't want to and most people who had ever given blowjobs raised their hands you know and i think i didn't use blowjobs but i just said have you ever continued a sex act because you started it and almost everybody said yes. And, you know, just because like <laughs> my friend, uh, my British friend, Jenna, who was on my show recently, he said people think in for a penny, in for a pound. But no, you should be able to change your mind at any point. So when I do when I do exercises like I did a, a, a touch gauntlet exercise at the end of this to launch people into the party and I modeled changing your mind going down the line and being like, nope, nope. And then just, just going through some people and, <laughs> and exiting the exercise so that we just get even a visual of seeing somebody change their mind, even if it's in a, in a model kind of way or a, an exercise kind of way. Must be informed. So you need to know at least a little bit about the scope of what's going to happen to you Or you are giving blanket consent to a certain amount of things, a certain area of thing, arena of things like, okay, I know you're going to be using this toolkit and I see all the tools in this kit and I'm comfortable with all the tools in this kit. But you don't know when they're going to use them or how hard or or in what location. It's got to be enthusiastic. So, you know, somebody's like, can I put my fingers inside you? And you're like, yeah. Sure. sure.
0: I guess. I guess
1: so. OK. That is not enthusiastic consent. <laughs> and then it's got to be specific. So it's, it's you're consenting to a specific thing with a specific person. And so then I would do an enthusiastic consent call and response. So let's do it. Enthusiastic consent can sound like this. Yes. Thank you. Now you say
0: it. Do you want me to respond exactly? Yes. Thank you. Yes.
1: Yes, thank you. More
0: please. More please. Mmm, yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please, yes. Please, yes.
1: Fuck yeah! Fuck <laughs> yeah! So there's all different ways it can sound, but those are some of them. <laughs> those are some good ones. And then... If you are a maybe, this is borrowed from the cuddle party guidelines. If you feel like you want to say maybe to something, instead, say no. Say no, because you can always circle back and be like, hey, is that still on the table? But if you say maybe, you're in this sort of liminal space, unsure. Somebody might try to push you, right? Somebody might try to convince you depending on their level of awareness and their their consent education, their personal consent education. So just say no if you're a maybe, because if you're not a fuck yes, you're a fuck no. Fuck no.
0: (laughs) And also around those no's is so many other things. Oh yeah. So like getting to somebody's no is cool. What about this? Cool. What about that? Because it's way more fun to play with someone when you're both fuck yeah. Right. Right.
1: You want to get on that thing that you're both into. And then I said this earlier, but I, w- I will advise people if you have trouble saying no or if it's your first party, maybe you just want to decide to say no all night and see if you can find some enjoyment in it. I remember somebody being like, oh, I love saying no. Like, do you want to No. How would you like? No. <laughs> And they just found this pleasure in it. Now I have not really, um, I have not reached that level of enlightenment. (laughs) I still am dealing with my people pleasing tendencies. Still, somebody asked me to borrow a skirt yesterday
0: and I didn't want to tell them no. So I just didn't respond. (laughs) So funny. So this is a little bit of an ongoing joke between uh, one of my friends here, her name's Carly. And she, the... I, I don't know, this is maybe a week or two ago where she had a full on giggle fit at how I say no so quickly. <laughs> She's like, it's, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> She's like, how do you do it? You're just so sure of yourself. And so now anytime I like say it so quick, someone will offer me a thing and I'm like, no, thank you. And she'll just start laughing. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how you do it.
1: <laughs> and you did it with practice, right? You learned.
0: Probably so. Yeah, definitely so. Definitely so. Because too many times was I in a position where I said yes. And then I had to deal with the consequences of that for much longer than that moment of whatever that thing was. Right. Because you violated your own boundaries by saying yes. Yes. Violated my own boundaries to the point where, you know, my internal dialogue goes, Alexa, you will never fucking do that again. And then I remember when I talked to myself like that. I remember. I remember. There's this amazing quote from
1: Prentice Hemphill, and it is boundaries are the point. I hope I'm saying it exactly, but I might be paraphrasing. But boundaries are the point. I can love you and me at the same time. So good. Yeah, so good. And so then I I talk to people about how we might approach offers and responses my favorite is for people to create opt-ins rather than opt-outs. So if you come up to me, Alexa, and you say, "Lila, can I make out with you?" then I'm in a I'm in a sandwich, right? And I can either <laughs> I can either say yeah, or I can say no, or I can say maybe later. <laughs> but you've You've backed me into a corner because you've asked me a question from which you expect an immediate response to determine whether it's okay for you to do something with me or to me. So what I got from Kenneth is this wonderful method of creating opt-ins, and that would be to say, Alexa. I would really love a spanking from you. And if you are interested in that, come find me later. And then go away. <laughs> <laughs> go away and <laughs> away. let them come. Yeah, let them come find you later if they are interested. And later might be in five minutes, later might be in a few hours, later might be at another party, but give them space. I'm just loving, I'm really thinking a lot about space and the space between you and I and the space that creates desire, the space between us, right, is what, is what creates desire and the desire to cross the space between us is arousal and eroticism. Yeah. So I love that you would, you would make, you would express a desire and then you would just step back. An offer space to see if the person wants to step into your space and take you up on that, or maybe make a counter offer. Maybe that's the point at which you, you were beautifully brought up counter offers earlier. Like, I'm not, I don't have the energy to spank you right now, Lila, but would you accept back scratches? And then I can check in. And if I want back scratches, great. And if I want back scratches later, and I really want a spanking right now. I can say, well, oh, I'd love some back scratches. Later, if you're available, that would be amazing, right? So then we can do our, our play and our negotiations
0: and the negotiation itself can be fun and sexy. Absolutely. That's way hotter, in my opinion. And I imagine a lot of people's opinion too. Even if later, like you said, is five minutes and you go, come find me. And then five minutes later, that person walks up to you and go and goes, like whispers in your ear or like dead stares you in the eyes and is like is now later enough yes yeah and you're like Ooh. <sighs> okay yeah <laughs> yes yes it is <laughs> yes it is i know i asked for a spanking but i actually let you do absolutely anything to me <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on the matter
1: of saying no i just offer this it can be as simple as no thank you that's it. And if you if you say maybe later, make sure that you actually mean maybe later and you want them to come find you later and ask you again because they
0: probably will. And also be honest with yourself and that person. If you say yeah. maybe later, do you really mean no? Or do you really mean right. maybe later?
1: Right. And if you're saying it just so you don't hurt their feelings, you are going to hurt them more by stringing them along than you would if you just say, no, thank you. It's like ripping off the band aid quick. Mm. And then I talk about taking a no gracefully. So I'll say, who in this room has ever been rejected sexually or romantically? And I ask people to raise their hands and everybody raises their hands. And I say, thank you for your honesty. Who in this room has taken that kind of rejection gracefully? And then just a few people raise their hands, And I say, that is impressive. (laughs) And then I offer some language around gracefully receiving a rejection in a play party setting. So here's a few. Thank you for expressing your boundaries. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Thanks for letting me know. And thank you for being clear. And then, just like in making the request before, go away. (laughs) Give them space. Go away. Yeah, move your body physically away from that person. (laughs) Then I talk about group play and scenes. Don't interrupt a scene. Don't interrupt people when they're involved with one another. Like somebody
0: who's getting flogged and they're really in it and you walk up and look them right in the face and you go, hey, can I lay on this table whenever you're done? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Respect the scene. Imagine that you have come to a theatrical experience. You're not going to interrupt the actors to be like, hey, that looks really good. Can I do that next or can I get in on that? Can I can I join the scene? No, you cannot join the scene. <laughs> and and the way that that Effie Blue described it in her play party etiquette workshop is, you know, if you you, you see an orgy or see a group play scene happening. And you're like, oh, can I join? They have to stop as every single person in that scene has to give their consent and you've put them on the spot. You've created uh, an opt out situation where they then have to say no and then you're you're here and it's this tension you know and if there's one person who's not into it like just don't do it wait until a scene is complete to express desires or make invitations and that includes after the aftercare so if people are snuggling they are still in their scene somebody's being cradled they are still in their scene Those people have established their boundaries and their relationships. Hopefully they've done their, their setup, their negotiations and their work. And you can't just slide right on into that in a more free for all situation. Maybe you can, but in a curated situation like this, wait, wait, before playing with somebody new, Ideally, you would have a quick safer sex combo. Reed Mahalko has a beautiful safer sex elevator speech that you can find if you Google it or go to his website, read about sex. The last time I was tested was. The last time I was tested was mm, three months ago. Uh, the results were negative for HIV, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia. I currently at this moment, do not have a play partner. The last time I had a play partner was about a month ago. Since I was tested, I've had three partners, one of whom was, was also tested and was also negative, And I was fluid bonded with, so we didn't use protection. And then the other two I used condoms with. I don't use condoms for oral sex, giving or receiving. And I'd like to use this type of protection with you today. Beautiful. And if you have any hard boundaries, that's a, that's a really good succinct. It took me what a minute, minute and a half to say that to you. And they can, they can echo it back, you know, their, their, their own responses. So it was last time I was tested, the results were what I was tested for. I currently play with this amount of partners. I use these types of protection. I'd like to use this type of protection with you. And these are my hard boundaries. Got all that? <laughs> I, know, I know you got it. <laughs> People are feverishly taking notes. And then I'll talk about hygiene. This is one of the most revelatory guidelines that I had ever heard. And it was use mouthwash. Don't brush your teeth. Yeah. Because if you brush your teeth, you're likely to create little, little fissures that could bleed thereby leading to a higher likelihood of passing some STIs. This, I wish it didn't need to be said, but the legions of women experiencing, or the legions of people with vaginas experiencing UTIs because of it means I need to say it, do not go from someone's anus to their mouth or from their anus to their pussy without cleaning the thing that is going to touch the pussy Or the mouth, in between. (laughs) Ah, you know, like do not, do not. If you are a cock owner, do not have your cock in somebody's ass and then put it in their pussy. Do not even graze their ass and then put it in their pussy. It is not good, and that is how I got my very first UTI. Was I was. Being penetrated, doggy style, I noticed that he so he was slipping out pretty often. We weren't using condoms. I noticed that he did graze my ass on the way back in, but I was like, uh, eh, that's probably fine. It was not fine. It was not fine, and it was a week of misery, or let's say two days of misery and then a couple weeks of discomfort. Because of that, that one thing, that one brush past my anus. Sigh. Right. <laughs> if you're going to play with multiple people, or if you just want to have a fresh, clean pair of hands, put on some nitrile gloves. And then keep track of your hands. So say I'm going to, say I'm going to finger two people. I want to make sure that I'm using the same hand for the same person because crossing increases the likelihood of STIs. I want to keep people as safe as possible. One way that might be helpful to keep track of your hands is to glove one hand for a partner that you are not fluid bonded with and then keep the other hand without a glove for the partner that you are fluid bonded with. Very easy to figure it out then, which hand is which. Very easy to remember. After coming into contact with one person's juices, squirt, cum, pre-cum, even potentially saliva, wash your hands, like COVID wash your hands, you know, like 30 seconds of scrubbing and under your nails and all of this. Slash your body thoroughly before coming into contact with another person's juices.
0: If that person has not consented to be in the mix. Right. Right. So somebody who has not like, if you're playing with two people at the same time and you've negotiated and you've communicated and you, and you all agree, then it's not, okay, I've touched this one person. Now let me run to the bathroom and do the whole thing and then come back and then touch the other person. This is, if you have an interaction with someone and yes. then you want to have an interaction with And you're going to play with somebody person. else that's not in that pod. Right. Mm-hmm. And that has not been a part of all of your communication and negotiation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just exactly. to be clear, we don't want to make this super awkward if it's your first time and you're playing with two people and you're like,
1: <laughs> excuse me. I got to go wash my hands. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I appreciate when somebody uses mouthwash after eating pussy or sucking cock, even just when they're talking to me.
0: Mhm.
1: I I just find it respectful and I just appreciate it when when people do that. And then I wanted to mention this wonderful conversation I heard and it's a a former partner of Kenneth's who told me about this. She said she had this interaction with somebody at a play party. The guy came up to her and said, "No." She came up to a guy and said, "Can I kiss you?" And he asked, "Have you sucked cock yet tonight?" And she said, I have not sucked cock yet tonight. And then he said, I would love to kiss you because those were his boundaries. Right. So he checked in and then found out that she had not sucked cock yet that night. And so then he felt comfortable to
0: kiss her. I love and the I thought, question. <laughs> have you, have you sucked, sucked cock yet tonight? Yet tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Assuming you will at some point. <laughs> I mean, she probably was going to, yeah, at some point. But it's adorable. Like it's a way to have it sweet and have this level of innocence while respecting boundaries and a level of inness. And maybe if she would have said yes, then he would have said, I would love to kiss you after you use the mouthwash Mm. or maybe next
1: time. Maybe next time. Yeah.
0: Maybe next time.
1: Yeah. Mm. Voyeurism is something. And did you say and and run away? And run away. And then right away, and then go away. (laughs) Voyeurism is something that is important for me to touch on in these play party orientations. I love voyeuring, and I still have not yet voyeured to the extent that I really want to voyeur. And I think a lot of us feel guilty about it because most of us were raised not to stare. Right. Right. And certainly not to stare in a way that is potentially objectifying and certainly not to stare at people who are kissing or engaging in any sexy things. In fact, sex is supposed to take place in a side of room with the curtains drawn and only on the bed. Right. So we're not supposed to look. And the play, the whole reason why I think play parties are philosophically important is because they take sex out of isolation and they say, go ahead, look, this is natural. We do this. It's okay to look at it. However, there are ways to watch something that are invasive. So I like to say the, the thing that you're watching is imbued by the energy with which you watch it. So watching is participating. And you will affect the thing that you are watching by the energy with which you are watching it. Yes. So if you're watching it with, for instance, jealous energy, that will be palpable. If you are watching it with thirsty energy, that will be palpable. If you are watching it with great enthusiasm and cheerleading, that will be palpable. There is such a thing as watching something too closely. Or too intensely. So then I'll invite a volunteer couple to make out. And so as they're making out, I will demonstrate three distances. And I'll say, the closer you are to something, you need to tone down the intensity with which you watch it. So I'll be all the way across the room and staring really intently but it's not affecting them that much because I'm really far away. So then I'll go to a middle distance where I'm like relatively nearby and I will watch. And then I will see if they feel my energy from that middle distance. And then I'll like dial up and dial down my intensity with my watching. And then I'll get to the point where I step inside their space bubble and they can actually almost feel the heat off of my body. And then I will demonstrate watching them really intensely from that distance. And then everybody laughs because it is so (laughs) uncomfortable unless that's something you've pre-negotiated, right? I'm talking about these instances in which, you know, there's a there's a playroom where the sex is happening and you haven't negotiated anything with anybody and you just want a voyeur. That's what I'm talking about. So good rule of thumb is the more intensely you watch the further away you should be. Yes,
0: I've been in, I've yes. been in those places where, just as you said, you, you, the energy that you watch with is going to be infused into the experience of the people that you are watching. And I've heard it best put um, this leaky sexual energy uh, that, mm-hmm. that feels dark and predatory-like. Yes, versus someone who's watching and can handle their arousal and can manage their own circulate their own sexual energy within their body instead of having it leach and leak out of their body and into the things that are around them. So if you're watching and you are turned on, your turn on is your responsibility. It's not something that that energetically you want to thrust at another person. Now, if you are playing cat and mouse with this other person and you're running around the party and you see them across the room and you just like quick grabs like with a stare and then in a sense kind of thrust your sexual energy at them and they like melt in the corner of the room, that's hot. If you take that sexual energy and you're watching someone who's in conversation with another person, and they have not even barely said hello to you, and you just want them at some point in the night, you want to approach them and ask them, and you catch like they're maybe talking to someone else, and you just throw your energy in their direction, or you lust in a sense after them, and that person all of a sudden can sense that you were there and kind of looks at you and is like kind of uncomfortable and like side glances and is like, "The fuck is this." That's gross. So ask yourself if you are listening, if you've ever experienced that, and if you've ever been in that situation. And really, this whole conversation is a giant, uh, hopefully, conversation starter of like, how do I be? in these varying situations, how do I honor myself, communicate effectively, pay attention to my energy? Like there's a lot going on. And if you fuck it all up, like you could have some shit to be dealing with after the fact, um, of like having to like be kind and gentle and graceful and all these things with yourself. If you are not as considerate, um, of some of these things. So there's just a lot going on. How would you
1: guide someone not to leak their sexual energy in that way? My sense is that the tricky thing is that the people who do that are not the people coming to these workshops to learn how to master their sexual energy, right? The people who do that are the people who don't <laughs> seek out information about it and, right. and are not trying to learn. Right. So that's very difficult. And there are often these folks who somehow get invited to these play parties. Yeah. But, in the event that somebody just doesn't know how to control their energy and is leaky, how would you guide them to not leak
0: so that's where like my little i don't I don't know what my percentage of dom and sub is. I definitely lean a little bit more on the sub I have a higher percentage of sub, but there is a dom in there, or certain, mm-hmm. and whenever I think of this or consider this. Um, She turns on and I just want to walk up to that person and go, hey, fucking cut it out. Bring (laughs) yourself back inside of you. Like that isn't that isn't okay. Keep that for yourself and figure it out it's nobody else's responsibility.
1: Yes, but how will they do it? Like if I mean, if we don't guide them and they don't know how to do it, like I mean, you can say, hey, just don't watch. Remove yourself from the stimulus because you are sending too much energy that way. But how can we teach? I I often think of things in terms of a soundboard, a mixing board, where you've got the sliders that go up and down. And it's like, how can we train them to to slide that slider on down so it's less volume and it's less loud and it's less leaky?
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I think maybe even that, that first kind of startle is like snap out of the energy or snap out of the thing, and then go. Okay, I'm going to tell you a thing. I want you to really consider it. When you feel your turn on, could you keep it right around you instead mm-hmm. of kind of longing or pushing it into? And and sometimes you can do that in like a really quick like mini exercise. Um, <clears throat> but I've experienced this in an actual exercise with someone. It was more or less some tantric practices, and it was. Uh, it's the one person pushing their energy towards like a penetrative energy towards the person yes. while the other one was receiving and then vice yeah. versa. And then I'm going to push the energy towards you. And I want you to say no yeah. to it. And so I don't know if someone could really understand fully and in- unless they could feel it even maybe yeah. happening t- in their direction So I don't know, it, it's something I'm, I'm very curious about for sure. And I know that there are those times when someone needs a little, like snap out of it and get your shit together. And then, okay, I'm going to level with you. So like, I'm not going to shame you though. Right now you're going to make a decision that you're going to be respectful and you're going to revere and you're going to be considerate. Otherwise you're going to have to go
1: and i can feel into that person this imaginary person who i've you know known many people like this and feel their confusion and feel the confusion of it's not a, i don't understand i'm at a sex party it's not okay to look at somebody with desire i don't get it right and we know the difference we can feel the difference between this unwelcome leaky sexual energy And somebody expressing a desire that feels, for lack of a better word, clean. But these are nuanced things, especially if somebody doesn't have a great, great empathy or great emotional intelligence. That understanding is going to be low. I mean, that's a conversation that I think we'll continue to have as we continue to hold spaces. Yeah.
0: Big so many dynamics. We come, we, we start the conversation. We start the podcast on, we're going to talk all about sex parties. And I think people are realizing as they've listened to this conversation, there's a lot, there's a lot that you can consider.
1: Oh yeah. There's so much at the last piece that I didn't include in my own orientation that I heard about another orientation for somebody else's party that I want to include in mine going forward is something about competition awareness and jealousy management. So, you know, knowing that these things may come up, that we are trained in our society to compete with one another, that we're trained to compete for objects of affection and for attention, and that, you know, this might arise and how we might deal with jealousy. You know, And one way is to look at jealousy as an arrow and see, what does this arrow point me to that I am not getting? What is it that is unfulfilled in me that this arrow points to? And another is to see if you can mine your jealousy for its energy. And if you can mine your jealousy for its turn on. Because when I made that shift to recognizing that jealousy had been responsible for like something like 70% of the turn on in my life, I was like, oh my God, I've been treating it as this awful, shameful thing and judging it and putting it in the corner, putting it in the dark, putting it in the closet. And then I took it out of the closet and I was like, thank you for all that arousal. So I was able to experience it. Not that it doesn't there's still difficulty around it, but but there's also excitement and arousal and I can feel all the pieces of it. And if you can feel the arousal piece, you may be able to turn up the volume on that piece.
0: For sure, definitely resonates. I'm very turned on when people are very attracted to whenever they show their attraction or their interest in Jordan. And he's one of, well, within the last like five, six years, I've really been studying my own jealousy and how I respond to it. And before that, it was like rage. Yeah. Yeah. And I have just been like, no, I'm good. I am so good. A little mantra that I have is I trust you for me, not necessarily for you. So I, from that place of I'm good and I know that I'm going to be okay. And this isn't not, this is not like a, a threat I'm not going to perceive this as a threat. Um, I've started to transform that into when someone is really attracted. I actually was just talking about this. I think it was this morning um, with my girlfriends where I'm like, I, you know, somebody says one of our good friends just went on a date for the first time with a couple. And so soon we started talking about, oh, how would it feel for that? The woman in that relationship and yada, yada. And I was like, when someone flirts with Jordan, I am so turned on. And they were like, we know Lex. I'm like, I'm a (laughs) share. I share. (laughs) because I've changed the, I've changed my story around it. And I've decided, just like you said, I'm going to look at that as like, I, I, I feel the aliveness of like human. I feel human aliveness. Like, Ooh, wow. That has a feeling. And that feeling is I'm alive and it feels good. And I'm going to be turned on by it instead of like throw a hellacious fit. Like I did in my early twenties. Jealousy is
1: primal. Jealousy is fire jealousy is an age-old aphrodisiac and couples who don't think they're kinky couples who think they're super monogamous you know esther perel talks about going to the party looking at your partner from across the room talking to somebody somebody appreciating them somebody seeing them in a different way and you're like oh, come home and fuck me right the, the, <laughs> there's a lot to be i just think it's the red-headed stepchild of the emotional world and i want to take it out of that closet and i think it's an important thing to bring up in a setting that is as charged erotically emotionally sensually as a as a sex party and then i will usually conclude with some kind of fun some kind of game and in this in this orientation i did the game anybody else but we did a sexy version of anybody else so i encouraged people to step in and share either a fantasy an experience that they, they'd had, an orientation of theirs or a curiosity. So somebody steps in and they say, I want to have a threesome with two women, anybody else? And then everybody who wants that steps into the center. I, I make sure that they all take a moment to look around and regard each other. And then I say, thank you. And they step back. Or I would love to tie somebody up tonight. Anybody else? Same thing. They step in, they regard each other, they step out or I'm pansexual. Or I have always wanted to try hot wax. Anybody else? So that was my and then I did a a touch gauntlet walk, which I loved. That was my play party orientation a few weeks back.
0: Wow. Wow. It was really big. And that would have been, I imagine for some people enough just to even go to the orientation. Be like, ah, this really deliciously facilitated orientation. I've been touched. I've been seen. I've been heard. I've communicated. I said, no, I'm good. I'll see you next week, fam.
1: (laughs) And then I think it would be nice. I think you might like, and your listeners might like some play party best practices. Yes. Um, best
0: practices and maybe even a red flag or two. A red flag? You mean like if they don't have an orientation? If, if this thing is not there, if this thing is not present. So like this. So yes, best practices. And then also, if you don't see this thing, that would be considered a red flag.
1: Yeah. So one thing I didn't mention is that I spoke about the guardians the people who were on shift and end their shifts and said, you know, we won't be playing during our shifts. You can come find us if you need any kind of support. If you need emotional support, if you're confused, if you're feeling lonely, if you're triggered, you can come talk to us. If a play party has nobody whose job it is To care for people who are having some kind of a tough time, that is a red flag. That is not so good. And the people who are designated to be guardians or angels or whatever they're called at this particular party, they need to be available during their shift. They need to not be playing. Because if you have a situation where maybe you feel like your consent was violated or you were triggered, or you had just had a fight with your partner, or you're feeling really lonely, you don't want to come find me and interrupt me in the middle of my lovemaking session to share your problem with me. So if you've got your wings on or your red hat on or whatever it is to designate you as a guardian at that moment, you need to show up for that because you never know when people might need it. So there, there really needs to be that sort of thing I think it's also very good, something Hacienda did was a follow-up where you could share, you know, anything if you had an issue. You could give some feedback. If the organizers aren't open to feedback, that's another red flag. And here are some best practices. Having somebody warm, inviting, and safe feeling at the door is key. Having somebody also who's designated to provide some, let's say, protection, some sort of bouncer type figure, also really good to have. You want people to not be worried about their belongings when they are having sex or milling around. So you want to have a code check that allows people to check their things, knowing that they're going to be guarded by somebody. I would prefer that play parties never served alcohol at all. Right. But that's not the case. So if you are going to serve alcohol, I suggest that you do it the way Hacienda does it. You have people bring their own alcohol. This also has to do with legality. You have people bring their own alcohol and then you have a bartender who will serve it to them. So they're not running around with bottles of booze. Nobody's doing that. and. I would also prefer that people didn't do drugs at a sex party because they can consent much more safely without drugs in their system. But people are going to do it. And so having a policy of no open drug use, I think, is very good. People have to go into a bathroom to do it. I think it's a better a better situation because I just think that it's a deterrent. Sometimes the bathrooms are unavailable and, you know, I think I think you're just less likely to do as much. Sure.
0: Well, this is a high on its own. It is. Experience is a high in and of itself. So but be with the experience, not necessarily try and heighten it to its fullest extent, nor, and ask yourself the question, if what you would be reaching for is something that would numb, then maybe that's not the right environment for you. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like if you
1: have to drink, then maybe you're not ready. Maybe you want to just go to the orientation and go home, you know, but there are, there is going to, you know, there, these are consenting adults and there is going to be substance use at probably most of the play parties. And I would just, if I were Empress of the world, (laughs) everybody at every play party would be sober and would have that experience sober. Right. Something practical. People squirt and people come and people sweat. And so I don't I'm a very I'm a super smeller. I don't like to be in a room with where it smells like all the all the juices and all the latex and it's like, oh, very stinky. So the big parties aren't great for me for that reason, because it's just so much scent sensory overload for me. Because of these liquidy substances you really want to have something that you can put down and the best thing that i have ever heard of to put down are puppy pads right underneath the sheets even if the sheets are like waterproof so it's sexier to do them underneath the sheets but if you do them underneath the sheets then the sheets are still going to be wet and somebody else will potentially have to lie in your wet spot so those are the options right you can put it underneath the sheets And it looks a lot better, but the sheets are going to be wet. And then you need to change them, which means you need to go under the sheet in order to change the puppy pads. Or you put them over the sheet. Maybe you have another towel as well to put down, something like that. Having stations, multiple stations with condoms and lube, and ideally, you would also have the internal condom not just the condom that's made for cocks most people don't know how to use that though so when we did when morel and i did an orientation for i think it was game of moans she did a demonstration she showed people how to insert an internal condom sometimes called the female condom which i thought was badass (laughs) really amazing so having protection is important. Having lube is important. Having multiple stations and having little miniature trash cans will limit the possibility of stepping in somebody's cum later on. Because, yuck. Yeah, unless you consented to that, ew. <laughs> so, I think those are some good practicalities. And, hmm. Um, Having the separate space I already spoke about. Having the separate space where people can go when they just want to get a breather, want to get away from it, don't want to have sex, I think is really important. Having the guardians around. Having an orientation. It's always nice to have somebody who can say goodbye to people as well, if that's available. So that that's a little bit ceremonious.
0: I love it. Wow. There was a lot of really potent information shared in everything that you that you mentioned. And I bet there's so many people that had questions that were answered in something so thorough like this. And I imagine you delivered so much of what people didn't know was was available. And maybe they were curious about having some of these unique and novel experiences and what you just described would help soothe and ease some anxiety or their nervous systems or give them the permission like, oh, this is actually what's going on. Oh, this is available. And this conversation being heard by, I don't know, I, I'm not sure how many thousands of people are downloading each of our episodes now, but there's going to be, I'm certain a percentage or a handful that are going to give themselves permission to do something that they are really turned on by and really inspired by because of this public conversation. So Lila, thank you so much for having it. It was very thorough. It was very broad as usual. It was very poetic and there was so many stories interwoven into it. It's so real. And um, I love sharing space with you and I love your knowledge. And I'm so glad that you have forged a path for yourself in intimacy coaching because you're the real deal. You feel as a human so much. And I feel like there's so many people in your space that could really, really use your level of compassion and empathy. And I love that I get to call you a colleague and a peer. And I'm so grateful that you are doing this work officially now. Y'all follow Lila, go listen to her podcast. You can hear more of the sweet sounds of her delicious podcasting voice. Horizontal with Lila, Where else would you like for people to find you, get to know more about you, um, maybe have an opportunity to experience some of your uh, magic, whether that's in an orientation or a workshop? Where do you want people to find you?
1: Instagram, Instagram is the way. Horizontal with Lila on Instagram and horizontal with Lila.com, but Instagram is better. more direct access. and I'll, I'll be rolling out some, I think, very informative, fun, playful. Series there shortly. So, so good. Well, of course, keep me informed. I will. (laughs) The last thing is that people are going to really want to know where to find one. And so they just need to be seeking out sex positive communities because where there are those communities kink communities, fetish communities, Fet Life, you know, places like this Hacienda, NSFW, where there are those communities, there are play parties. And you need to
0: find a person who is already invited to a play party so that you can get invited. Absolutely. I oftentimes tell people just go ahead and get on the Hacienda email list, because even if you're not in New York and you have no intention of going there, they're showcasing what to look for. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And they know people in other communities. Yes. So great place to start. And thank you again. Another golden nugget. (laughs)
1: I feel a little embarrassed. You're like, it's so thorough. And that's what Dominic said when I was on his show as well. And we also like, I wanted to do three things. We only did
0: one because I went so deep on it. I feel a little, a little embarrassed. <laughs> no, it's so good. And I I actually had to message. This is, this went into another podcast that I had to record. And so I just sent her a message. I was like, I can't stop her. This is great. This is great information. <laughs> and so, you know, can't, can't stop a, a woman when she's preaching good. So <laughs> Moving train, moving train. Yeah. I love yeah. you. I love
1: what you're doing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so impressed with you. You've blossomed so much. You've dropped in so much. I'm, I'm honored to be your friend. I'm honored to be your
0: colleague. I love you so much. My Gosh, I, I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all this with our community. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.